Turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 112 as we look at the subject this morning of our blessing God. I want to tell you a story again uh, of the religious horse. I don't know if you remember it. I've told it before. I like this story. It's not long. but uh, So let me tell it to you again. There's this preacher who went to, um, to buy a horse. And when he got to the horse salesman, the horse salesman said, Oh, you're a preacher. He said, I got the perfect horse for you. I've got a horse that has been trained using religious language. When you want to go, instead of saying, Giddy up, you say, Praise the Lord. When you want to stop, instead of saying, whoa, you say, amen. And the preacher looked at the horse, and he said, well, it looks like a good horse. So he bought the horse. Bought the horse, and he's ready to go try it out. His friends said, you can go to my country. And so he, he w- went out in the country. He was trying the horse out, really liked the horse. Horse was doing great. Going down a dirt road, he looked up ahead. There was a, a looked like a pretty deep river. And so he said, well, I need to slow down. So he said, whoa. The horse kept going. Goes a little bit further, he's whoa, the horse kind of startled, looks like the horse is even speeding up, keeps going, and you know, whoa, and the horse keeps going, he finally gets to almost to the edge of the river and he remembers, oh yeah, amen, and the horse stops, just, you know, so, so fast, as fast as he's ever seen, he almost fell off, you know, he comes up, wipes his brow and says, whoa, praise the Lord, and the horse lunges in. The horse lunges into the river. I mean, I just like that story. So I might share it again. Uh, As I I read Psalm 111, Psalm 112, Psalm 113, they all start the same way. Praise the Lord. There's a routine here of praising the Lord. And I got to thinking, you know, I, I hope we have that routine that we wake up. And it's just routine that we praise the Lord, even if our horse lunges into the river, we praise the Lord. That's just who we are. That's what we do. Uh, sure, it's commanded here to praise the Lord, but that's just, it's like, oh, that's a no-brainer. God has saved us. God loves us. God cares for us. God provides for us. We are the people who praise the Lord. Why do we praise the Lord? Because of all of his works, all that he's done. And this psalm is a psalm about We're praising the Lord because He just lavishes blessings upon us. He is a blessing God. He loves to bless His people, and He's been blessing His people ever since He had a people because He's faithful to His agreements, His covenant with us, and His covenant included blessing us. Now, I thought about so many passages maybe we could go to to think about that from Abraham uh, or Adam and Eve, Abraham all the way till now, of God making a covenant, an agreement to be a blessing God. But let me just show you one. Look with me before we get into this psalm at Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 17 to the end. Uh, just a great kind of summary of how we've gotten to where we are. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. Peter's preaching his second sermon after Christ's ascension. Uh, So we enter into that, Acts 3, verse 17. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. I mean, how many of us have acted in ignorance? I have. We've all done stuff. We said, I just didn't know. 
and he says, you didn't know about Christ and his glory and all that. You were just acting in ignorance. Verse 18, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled. So in one verse, Peter basically says, everything in the Old Testament that God has been giving us all the way up till now has been pointing us to Christ, and Christ came and God fulfilled it, everything that he's been talking about. Verse 19, therefore, since you now know, you know, basically Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, then he picks the prophet Moses of all of those prophets. Moses said that the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from your brethren to him you shall give the he give heed to everything he says to you. So I mean, this is stop right there. I'll give you a little quick rabbit trail. Uh, he says Moses was preaching way back in the Old Testament, and he says there's going to be a prophet just like me. And when that prophet just like me comes, you got to listen to everything he says and keep it because he's going to bless you when that happens. Now. So the Old Testament people were looking for this prophet just like Moses, which is why the Pharisees, when they saw John the Baptist show up, they thought he was the Messiah. Because when John the Baptist showed up, what was he doing? He was standing out in a river baptizing thousands of folks. What was Moses doing in the Old Testament? As soon as he took the people of God out of Egypt, he's got six million people here, and in one day he baptizes all of them. He takes a hyssop branch and he sprinkles the six million people says, we're going to enter into a covenant today, and this is the sign of the covenant. And he says, there's going to be a prophet like me coming one day. So when John the Baptist shows up, like a reed shaking in the wind, and he starts shaking this hyssop branch and baptizing all of these people, the Pharisees, are you the Messiah? Because you're, you're acting just like Moses, the prophet. So, and we've been looking for that one to come. Peter's saying, he has come. He's not John the Baptist. He's, John the Baptist is the forerunner. He's Christ, and that's what John was saying too. That's, that's where he's going with his sermon. He says, so when Christ shows up, all the blessings of redemption and all come to you. Where was I? I know that was a rabbit trail, but just wanted to share it. It's so good. So many people miss that prophet like him, that Christ is a fulfillment of Moses. Verse 23, and it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. So there you have the curse. You'll either be blessed in Christ or you'll reject Christ and you'll be cursed. Verse 24, and likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days, it is is you catch that we're talking about new testament people now it's you who are the sons of the prophets do you realize that's who you are you and i were sons of the prophets and of the covenant which god made with your fathers saying here's the proof saying to abraham so now he's going all the way back to abraham father of our faith and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed so there's that covenant promise 
When God promised Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your children. Peter says, he's talking about you guys. He says, all of that was for you. Christ has now come to bless you. Because God keeps his promises. So verse 26, for you, see it's personal again, first, God raised up his servant and sent him, circle that, to bless you. Now notice what the blessing is, by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. What a blessing. Until Christ, we're in bondage to sin. We're in bondage to damnation. We're destined for hell. But he wants to bless you to redeem you out of that bondage and then turn you from the sin you can't help but to commit to turn you from wickedness to holiness. Extreme blessing. There are people who says, I can't help but what I do. I know I'm sinful. I can't help it. Or they're ignorant. And God says, I want to bless, I want to bless a people. I want to bless a people and make them a holy people. I want to make them a pure people. I want to make them without spot or blemish. I want to make them my church. I want to make them my people. That's our God. That's good news. That's exciting to be the people of a blessing God. We should say, praise the Lord. That gets us back to Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. The psalmist looking to this God and all his great blessings says, God is so good to be one of yours. Praise the Lord. So let's look at these blessings God gives us in Psalm 112. Just being so thankful. First of all, you see in Psalm 112, verse 1, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. One of the things you begin to notice right off, in Psalm 112, first couple of verses, and it keeps right on going, is that God's blessings are particular here. General blessings really aren't referred to here. All of these blessings are particular blessings. The difference is general blessings would be stuff like sunshine, like rain. That's general. It falls on everybody, the sun and the rain. But those aren't the blessings that are being described here. These, these are blessings are very particular blessings that only the sons of God the daughters of God the church only the people of God receive those are the blessings he's talking about these blessings that are ours because Christ came to redeem us Uh, so don't miss that it's um, how do you aim particular blessings we do that like yesterday in the wedding when a when a bride throws her bouquet you know you'll see many times you look over your shoulder and you look if you have a sister you look for your sister and you throw that thing, you aim the bouquet at her. That's a particular blessing you want to give to the next, the, the person you love the most or person you know you think needs it the most or whatever. If, if you're in a parade and you're on the float, you say, I, I want to give that kid candy. You know, you aim it. You don't just broadcast it sometimes. You aim it particularly. That's what God's doing in Psalm 112. He's aiming his blessing. I want this to go to particular people. It needs to go to my church. It needs to go to my people. It's not just generally thrown out for everyone. So when you look at these blessings, um, 
realize they are blessings that are in God's sights to give, to aim at his particular people. Now, notice who he gives them to. Verse 1 tells you specifically a description of who's going to get these particular blessings. And then verses 2 through 9 are the blessings. So look at the description in verse 1. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord and who greatly delights in his commandments. So two descriptions are given there. Number one, we are people who fear the Lord. And number two, we greatly delight in his commandments. Those, that's the particular people group that are getting these blessings. Let's, let's unpack that a little bit. What does fear the Lord mean? To fear the Lord means to love the Lord, to respect the Lord, to honor the Lord, to obey the Lord. Uh, it's, 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 it's an endearing term here. It's not uh, afraid that he's going to punish us, but it's, it's I, I wanna, I'm, I'm a person who wants to live in respect, in worship of the Lord. He says, the people who I want to get my particular blessings treat me that way so you, you think about any of his commandments you know why do we do what we do why do we worship because of god I, I i worship him because he is my redeemer he's he saved me from the bondage of sin so i i, I fear him i respect him I, i'm in awe of him in that way or you take any that's the first commandment second commandment said you know i don't i don't want to to picture or image him inappropriately because that would be disrespectful he says he's invisible and we've never seen him at any time. I don't want to imagine him wrongly. I want to, to honor him, respect him. That's fearing the Lord. I don't want to speak inappropriately. I don't want profanity coming out of my lips because out of respect, out of fear of, of God. I, I'm his choice child and I, I want to act that way. Uh, I want to respect the day he's determined to, to come together with his people in worship. You, you, know, you just go through the commandments, you think through that. That's what it means to, to fear the Lord. So how blessed is the person who does that? Because that person is going to be getting these particular blessings. Second description here is he greatly delights in his commands. Now, to greatly delight in God's commands, there's, there's an obvious prerequisite. You can't uh, delight in commands if you don't know the commands. So if you're here this morning and you don't know the commands of God, well, you know, to be one of those who greatly delights, you've, you've obviously got to learn them. You've got to know them. And I just encourage you to do that. Uh, it's real easy to do that. Uh, there's only ten commandments. Um, you can get there. It's in Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5. And you can look through the ten commandments. You can come up with just one word for each commandment. See, ten words you got to memorize. You can do that before lunch, guys. I mean, this is it's, it's not hard, okay? The first, the first commandment is worship. No other gods, right? So that's, there's one word. Second commandment, images. Don't image wrongly. Third commandment, profanity. You know, fourth commandment, Sabbath. I mean, they're just easy words you can, just, you can go through. Uh, fifth commandment, parents. Seventh commandment, uh, marriage. Eighth commandment, lying. Uh, uh, I mean, stealing, ninth commandment, uh, lying, tenth commandment, coveting. So you just, you just, you know the commandments. And then you can start going through life saying, I need, I need to live consistently with this. Okay, that's prerequisite. Know the commandments. I'm not going to go into that more. Because the key thing is here, not only do you know them, but it says, 
is the person who greatly delights in his commandments. That takes it to a whole different level. Because the commandments then are not something you use as tools to hammer people. It's not things that you use as, um, you know, I, I know people sometimes they use the commandments as, as parenting tools to beat it into their kids or then they start beating it into their husband and their wife. Uh, that's not the way the commandments are designed. You know, you're the, that kind of person, I'm not saying you are, they, that's the kind of person who says, you need to watch what you're saying. You know, that's profanity. You know that God, what does God think of you about that? You know, and just starts hammering them because of the third commandment. That's not what he's talking about in Psalm 112. Using the commandments as, as tools of obedience in that sense of hammering people, making a list, checking it twice kind of thing. But no, he says, I, I want you to, to have the commandments in your heart in such a way it's, it's, it's your delight to keep them. It, he doesn't say anything here about enforcing them. You're delighting in keeping them. Now, you know what a delight is, right? First thing that comes to my mind is ice cream, right? A, delight, a delightful treat. You know, my mouth's a little dry. You know, you don't bring me some ice cream right now. I say, yes. I mean, it's a delightful treat. Do we, do we look at the commandments that way? What a delightful treat to be able to worship the God that I'm not estranged from him. I'm not separated from him. The same God who redeemed me, what a delight to be able to praise him. That's a delightful treat. What a delight to be waiting for that day he, he takes the veil off and I see him face to face. And I've not wrongly imaged him and, I, and I, I get to see him in the fullness of his glory. What a delightful treat to speak in such a way that he, he says, I like that. I mean, you just go through each of the commands. He says, that's what I want for you. I want to bless the people who rightly respect me and fear me. And I want to bless the people who greatly, don't miss that word because that shows you I'm not exaggerating, greatly delight in my commandments. Let's evaluate ourselves. You know, is that who we are? Because if we are, that's great. We get the particular blessings. If it's not who we are, well, you know, you can skip to verse 10. Because verses 2 through 9 are the blessings for those people who are that description. If we are that description, we want to know the blessings. If we're not, we can skip to verse 10. That talks about the people who don't get the blessings. But delight in God's commandments. Be loving worshipers. Um, what do we get? Well, there's an abundance of blessings here, verses 2 through 9. Let me just kind of go th walk through them. Uh, you know, kind of, it's kind of fast, just so you see what they are. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. All right, so the first, first blessing God promises is mighty children. What does that mean? I mean, I don't know that I know fully that as, as I've researched the word mighty, best synonym was outstanding. God's going to give you outstanding children. I'm thinking, well, that sounds cool. Mighty children, outstanding children, and obviously 
they're mighty, outstanding children from God's perspective since he's describing the blessing here. So what does that look like? I can't, I can't tell you all of it, it looks like because there's so much diversity in God's family. But we get the difference between somebody who's outstanding, who's somebody who excels, somebody who's mighty, as opposed to somebody who's not any of those things. And stop, by the way, before you jump on in this passage, and notice, notice the particular blessing starts with children. I just love that about our God. Our God loves our children. He says, I'm going to bless you. If you fear me and if you greatly delight in my commands, he's like, I'm going to bless you. Say, okay, God, what are you going to do for me? I'm going to take care of your children. Whoa. Not only am I going to take care of them, they're going to be mighty. They're going to be outstanding kids. Stop and think again. Sometimes what do we do for outstanding kids? Sometimes we throw money at them. We throw the best education at them. We throw the best things at them. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm saying, how do we get outstanding kids? Fearing God and greatly delighting in his commands. God said, I'll bless your kids in every nation, tribe, and tongue. Even if you don't have the education, even if you don't have the money, even if you don't have all those things you think are going to make outstanding kids, I can make outstanding kids out of this. Fear God and greatly delight in his commands. That's pretty cool. We have a God who loves us and our children. That's a covenant-keeping God. He says, mark them out. Let them be my kids. If you greatly delight in my commands and fear me, I want to bless your kids. I've seen it happen, friends. I love this about our God, our God, that he's a family God. We've gone so individualistic in our society. We see God as just taking care of an individual, me. And yet God says, no, no, no. I want your kids. I want to take care of your family. I want to bless your kids. And that's the first blessing he mentions, um, which, which I love about God. Um, you know, uh, as you think through some of this, We've got so much freedom to do what we want to do. This free will to choose things. I can choose to do lots of things. I can choose to come here. I can choose not to come here. I can choose to worship, not to worship. I can choose things. I can choose to teach my kids certain things or not teach my kids certain things. We get that. But sometimes we fail to remember that God has the ability to choose too. And God says, I determine, I choose to bless the kids of parents who fear me and greatly delight in my command. That's why I put so much emphasis on thinking through what it really means to respect God and what it really means to greatly delight, not just use God's commands as tools. God says, I, I want to bless that household. And that's who he chooses to bless. What a, what a blessing it is. Number three. Verse 3, excuse me, number 2 on the blessing. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Another great blessing from God is, I called it outward and inward wealth. Yeah, he gives outward wealth. Again, we say, the way to get money is to do X, Y, Z. You can come up with your own plan for, for discipline and budgeting and um, being a good stewardship and all these things. 
don't don't forget where this psalm is going. No, 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 that, that, that outstanding child and that wealth that becomes yours comes through fearing God and greatly delighting in his commands. And then it's not just an outward wealth, but it's an inward, and his righteousness endures forever. That takes it out of the whole prosperity gospel realm. People who says God's going to bless you and just give you that Cadillac you've been wanting. Not only is God going to take care of your needs, but it's going to take care of a need for righteousness. Remember the blessing back in Acts 3, turning you from your ways of wickedness. That's the blessing to righteousness. And that's what God is doing here for us. So it's a blessing for our children. It's a blessing of outward and inward wealth. This this love for righteousness and God through a new heart. Verse 4, the third third blessing. Um, Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He's gracious and compassionate and righteous. Um, I guess there's an analogy here that when it says light arises instead of just light out of darkness, it's, 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 it's looking at the sun coming up out of the darkness of night and arising each day. And the, the, the imagery, the illustration there is as normal as that it is for light to come up out of darkness, as normal as that is, it is normal for God to be gracious and compassionate to his children. Wow. So I'm going to give you comfort. I'm going to give you compassion. I'm going to take care of you. Um, and you will be gracious and compassionate and righteous. There's, there's going to be this continued ministry um, out of the gloom into uh, brightness. And it's just ordinary, just like light arises out of darkness every day. Um, to see that ordinary work of God in the lives of his people. It's not, it's not just once in a, in a blue moon, like way back I, I got saved and nothing's happened since. No, this is a daily light arising out of darkness for God's people. That's a tremendous blessing. Verse 5, just, just I call it wellness. He said, it is well, verse 5, it is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment. So flowing out of verse 4, God's graciousness, we, be, we imitate him and we become gracious and we lend. And it's well with us. Um, we maintain that cause of God uh, in judgment. Uh, interesting that the, the, the righteous man, the child of God, the blessed man is a lender. We'll see in just a minute he's also a giver. Both are mentioned. Sometimes you just give. Don't expect anything in return. Other times, you're lending. But how cool it is to be those people in that people group who have the resources to do that instead of always being in bondage to debt. And God is, wants to bless his people that way. Uh, those who fear him and greatly delight in his commandment. Uh, again, see that the emphasis on, on ministry. It's a ministry to lend to people. They need help, and you're able to do that is is a tremendous uh, blessing verse six he will never be shaken the righteous will be remembered forever think about the stability never be shaken never knocked off your block so to speak uh, always stable that if you're knocked out you're not knocked or if you're knocked down you're not knocked out um, kind of imagery that uh, paul uses in corinthians verse seven he will not fear evil tidings say it more simply 
No bad news. Never fear bad news. Doesn't mean you won't get the bad news, but you don't fear the bad news. You know, like the stock market drops and all your retirement's gone away. God's always taking care. That's not bad news. I mean, it's bad news, but I don't fear the bad news. Or you're just it's discovered now you have cancer. Well, it's bad news, but it's God's going to take care of me. Death's off the table anyway. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm His forever. And so he's brought this into my life. I still have stability. I still have security. I still have hope. Whereas the person who doesn't fear God and greatly delight in his commands doesn't have that. That kind of stability, that kind of strength, that kind of wellness. They're just, they're just distraught and don't know what to do. I mean, just think of the blessing of always being literally well in your soul. Always being stable in life, knowing your destiny is secure uh, in Christ. Verse 8, his or last part of verse 7, I didn't read. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. One of the joys of heaven is going to be to see the, the ultimate defeat of Satan, his host, and all of those who follow him. It's just going to be so satisfying to know we are the bride of Christ. We're the people of God. We're in the victorious, on the victorious side of, of all heaven and earth. What, what a joy that will bring. That brings great stability. It reminds me, maybe you, of Romans 8.28 that God says, All things work together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. It's going to turn out well. That's, that's the blessing, God, that we have. He's going to make that happen. And then the last one, verse 9, uh, he says, He has given freely to the poor. So here's the giving part, not just the lending. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. So when God blesses us, we're able to bless others. Sometimes we lend to them. Sometimes we just give freely. No strings attached. We want to provide for needs of others. Um, and that kind of righteous living endures with us. We don't get exhausted by it. We, we still do it over and over and over. And his horn, a horn's an emblem of power. It's an emblem sometimes of protection. So not sure how it's used here, but our horn, our, our, our symbol of who we are is exalted in honor. That... There's honor for th this kind of living. The world gives it. God gives it. This is honorable living. Um, much reason to praise God. Did you see it there? And you stop to think about, why did he start the psalm? Praise the Lord. Because in the back of his mind, mighty children, outward, inward wealth, comfort, continued ministry, wellness, stability, honor. Praise the Lord. This is cool. To, to live, to exist as the sons of God. Now, I said if you, if you don't fear God and you don't greatly delight in his commands, you can skip to verse 10 because 10 is the verse on the wicked. He doesn't say much here because it's not much to say. Verse 10, the wicked will see it and be vexed. Vexed, that's a strange word. Don't hear it much. It's, the wicked sees it and they're angry. They're, they're frustrated. They're annoyed. It's like, 
ah, it's one of those kind of, whatever word describes that, ah, I hate it kind of feeling. What do they see? The wicked will see it and have that angst. They see the blessing of God on his church. There come a day where the sheep are separated from the goats, the church, the people of God are exalted. There comes a day when the wicked will, will see it, the beauty and the glory of the church and the, and the bride of Christ. And when they see it, it's too late. You should have feared God. You should have greatly delighted in his commands because when you see it, it's like, ah, it's too late. There's nothing else I can do. It's like I said, there's not much to say with this. And then the second part of verse 10, he will gnash his teeth and melt away. Look that up and you find that's the language that is used most frequently to describe hell. It's, it's a gnashing of your teeth. It's just, again, it's that grinding, that frustration, that, oh, this is terrible. It's this perishing in hell for all eternity. The third part of that verse, the desire of the wicked will perish. You know, those buddies of yours, I've got them that say, well, I'm not worried about hell. All my buddies and friends will be there. Thinking that you'll get to enjoy that friendship with your buddies there. I always tell my buddies who say that, I said, you've obviously not studied God's description of hell. It says, your desires in hell perish. There's no friendships. There's no buddies. There's no pleasurable desires. It it's all goes away. So that's the general blessings you get now. When you get the particular curse of hell, it's not something you want. Well, that gives you the full contrast between those God blesses and those God curses. Um, don't let that happen to you if that's you. That's my encouragement. When you, you see we have a blessing God. And you say, well, if you don't want the cursing of God, you want the blessing, you see in here, it starts with fearing God and then greatly delighting in his commands. It's as simple as you need to be a worshiper of God. and say, well, I can't do that. Exactly. You're in a desperate state. And so just go to God in that desperation and say, God, I can't do this. I'm not, I've never been able to praise you, to worship you. I've never been able to know and delight in your commands. Would you forgive me? Would you have mercy upon me? Would you take that sin away and give me a new heart, an ability to trust you as my Lord, worship you alone, and to follow your ways? That that's needs to be your prayer because it's foolish to not want God's blessings. If we're under God's blessings, it's foolish not to praise him routinely to praise him and adore him let's pray together father thank you for your goodness your grace the rich blessings you provide to us and our children father we all know family and friends who don't have the joy and delight of our hearts they don't have jesus father for those who are here this morning we ask for them, 
that you would grant them your mercy and grace to turn from that sin, that they could fear you, they could trust you and delight in your commands. Father, whether it's our youngest child in this room to, to the oldest man or woman, whether it's our family, our friends, or far away, Father, we ask that you would grant blessings that extend to those that we love, those that are in our sphere of ministry, those that we lend to, those that we give to, those that we share compassion with. Lord, use us. Use us as, as your vessel of sharing the joy and glory of having a blessing, God, that they may be blessed uh, through us. Lord, we thank you for this psalm that brings us back to this great joy and delight today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.